Welcome to Just Crypto, everyone. My name is Vanessa, and today we are going to open up my wallet so I can let you see what's inside. Um, I know that many folks have asked me about the cryptos that I invest in. Obviously, there's those that I talk a lot about. Uh, what we talk about and what we invest in aren't necessarily always the same things. Uh, and so I'm going to share at least you know my path, what I've currently got, at least some of my top holdings, uh, how I go about uh, doing DeFi, sort of where I do DeFi, how I hold my coins, uh, you know, whether they're on hot wallets or cold wallets or self-custody. And I'm just, you know, generally going to talk about my thesis on the coins I hold and why I still hold them. So if uh, this is interesting to you, would love to have you along for the journey. Um, and perhaps we can even have a discussion about, you know, what, what I've missed, uh, the, the coins that you think are particularly special that maybe I should take another look at. Um, so if you are here following along live, uh, please say hi. Let me know who's here, who's joining us. If you're on X, please uh, share and uh, let other people jump in as well. And if you're on YouTube, uh, say hi. We've got um, Mr. Mr. Andy Eggman <laughs> who is working, but we'll watch after. Welcome. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, even if you're working, uh, often talking about crypto can be a lot more fun th than working. Uh, we got Elias who's here as well. Welcome. Uh, Stan, who's here. Uh, great. And so we've got quite a few folks who are, are joining us um, and let's get started. So what's in my wallet and why? This is the February 2024 edition. I did a Twitter version of this back in May 2023, but I thought it would be a little bit more helpful to actually do a video instead of just type up a huge long thread because then I can get a little more in-depth into my thinking behind each of these. Um, and so before we get started, it is important to have a little bit of a disclaimer. This show is about learning more, FOMOing less. So I've had investments do 100x. I've had investments do a minus 100% as well. So uh, definitely don't take any of these as a recommendation on what to buy. This is just my portfolio that I'm sharing with you. Uh, this is just for you know education uh, and entertainment. Uh, sometimes watching someone either do really well or get completely wrecked can be entertaining. That's uh, here for you. Um, and so please uh, do, do your own research, but beyond your own research, understand your own risk characteristics, understand your own goals. Uh, once you can start from the amount of risk that you, you're able to tolerate and willing to tolerate and the goals that you like to achieve from your portfolio, whether it's in crypto or stocks or wherever you uh, end up investing, uh, that's the best place to start. Uh, no one here uh, on YouTube, and I would say even you know generally, um, if you're speaking to a financial advisor, you need to have a solid grounding in what you're going to accomplish yourself. So with that out of the way, uh, very, very important. Please hold on to that. Let's get into it. I'm gonna talk about a, a couple things today. As I mentioned, I'm going to talk about my top crypto investments and why I invest in them. I'm going to do a little bit of a review on uh, what changed uh, from my May 2023 portfolio and why there were changes there. I'll share where I do most of my DeFi, where I custody, and what I plan to do uh, going forward from here. Uh, and sometimes I will say the best plan is to do nothing. Uh, my plan is not that. So full disclosure, I have uh, other things in mind. I've got a lot of tokens. I hold too many, I think, uh, more than 40 different tokens across multiple different blockchains, and that's too many. But there are a few that we don't get to talk about a lot through this list that I thought were, would be honorable mentions that are, are worth surfacing. Uh, one, because they're a decent part of my portfolio, even though they did not make the top 10. Uh, but two, because I think there's something uh, special and interesting about each of these. The first of these is Chainlink. 
So if you haven't heard of Chainlink, then you probably haven't used DeFi on any ecosystem uh, in crypto. Uh, Chainlink is effectively the oracle that backs all of DeFi. Some people talk about it in confused and concerned tones uh, because Chainlink has a multisig, and if the multisig gets, uh, let's just say, corrupted in any sense, uh, that could bring down all of DeFi. However, they are everywhere, um, pretty much everywhere. So they're the oracle, the go-to oracle of choice. Um, the token itself, uh, I, I believe, will uh, long-term have value accrual from the prominent position that uh, Chainlink has in the ecosystem. And so that's why I hold it. That's why it's an honorable mention on this list. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to go up or down, but I do think that the adoption of Chainlink is going to continue. And hopefully that should reflect positively on the token as well. I want to pause and say hi to a few more folks who dropped in here. We've got Not Ken Speckle. Hi, <laughs> welcome. Uh, we've got uh, Liam who's talking about Cardano. So we will get to talk about Cardano. That is on my list here of top 10 holdings that I personally have. Um, and so second honorable mention is Unstake. Uh, Unstake is one of the more fascinating projects in the Kajira ecosystem. It basically uh, allows you to switch between a liquid stake derivative and another liquid stake derivative and can also provide uh, price stability for those liquid stake derivatives when people are trading out of them into the native token itself. Uh, it's legit awesome. Uh, this is one of the, the few things I've seen throughout DeFi where it just blows my mind to even think about what they're doing. Uh, if they're successful, they will absolutely, <laughs> I, I can't even say, this is on my list of tokens a whole, this is the only one I have any degree of confidence will do 100x. Now, I don't know for sure. That depends on a lot of, uh, you know, is Kajira ecosystem going to grow? Is the tool going to get adoption, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, what I do know is the tech is amazingly cool. And that's something that's really lit me up. So that's why Unstake is a large part of my portfolio. Again, not the top 10, but for sure one of the most interesting projects that I've seen in all of crypto. Um, and then the last honorable mention I have here is Grail. Uh, Grail is the DEX token for Camelot DEX, the native Arbitrum DEX. Uh, you know, there are other DEXs on Arbitrum, so they're not the only one, uh, but they are the only one that's uh, completely native. And they've got a very interesting setup uh, in terms of how you can earn from the token. They've got, uh, they've done tons of volume. I think last I saw was something like $10 billion in volume uh, total. Uh, they've got uh, concentrated liquidity. They've got all sorts of different things uh, in, in their decks that I think make them interesting. At some point, I'll have to do a whole video uh, just on Camelot decks, but it, it really feels like between uh, the, the launch pad and the earning opportunities, uh, you can get decent dividends. Um, it's just there's, a, there's an all-around great experience and gives me a lot of the Kuji vibes for it. Um, so that's another honorable mention I have here. That's one of my uh, tokens that uh, you know I think could do decently well if if they continue to execute on their plan. Um, so those are honorable mentions. Let's get into my top ten. Um, number ten is Stacks, which is currently at two percent of my portfolio. So Stacks is one of the OG. I mean, calling it a layer two is probably a stretch, but maybe a side chain uh, to Bitcoin. Um, I do think long term we will be doing more on top of Bitcoin. We are already starting to see that programmability come in. There's going to be a plethora of actual L2s built on top of Bitcoin. Um, I think uh, if I look into history, we can see some parallels between Stacks and Polygon. Uh, Polygon was not technically an L2 on Ethereum. They called themselves that and kind of dominated the market for a large portion of time and have achieved a, a lot of their market cap. Uh, partly because of messaging, but partly also because of how quickly the team can move and pivot. And so I look to Stacks and I think, okay, there's all these other L2s coming up, uh, but Stacks is one that has uh, a history. Um, they've got stuff that's being developed. 
you can actually buy a holding and staking stacks. You could earn Bitcoin, which is, is really interesting as well. So there's a little bit of a hedge there as well in terms of what you're earning. Uh, so I do think one, it'll track very closely the price of Bitcoin. Um, so if you're bullish on Bitcoin, I think stacks is, is kind of a leverage play on that. Um, but also, uh, you know, if the L2 on Bitcoin narrative really starts to pick up, I think stacks could benefit from some of that as well. So that's at 2% of my portfolio in, in number 10. Um, number nine is Cosmos Hub, uh, the money of the Cosmos. And uh, if you're in the Cosmos ecosystem, you know uh, that it's an airdrop magnet. <laughs> you tend to uh, just every now and again have, you know, random hundreds to thousands of dollars show up uh, that you can go and claim, which is very nice. Now, Cosmos is not without its, its challenges. Um, there's a lot of concern about how it actually accrues value and the, the teams have been working very hard to get um, uh, the interchange security set up so that, that it can sort of rent out some of the security the Cosmos Hub has. Uh, what you'll know uh, later on is that it, it actually has dropped in terms of percentage of my portfolio, not because I've been selling, but because the price has lagged behind uh, a lot of other tokens. Um, so that's de definitely reflected, that kind of concern is reflected in the overall price as well. There have been some shenanigans uh, as far as governance. Um, different people uh, have different ideas and, and people with lots of tokens have different ideas on basically where to take the Cosmos. And so I think that's also holding it back. You, you, we could see uh, now that there's some clarity and, you know, Jay has, is taking his, his toys and, you know, going home, uh, we could see a faster movement in some of the directions that some folks have wanted to do for the Cosmos Hub. Whether that's actually good or not, that's a question. Um, and so I think that'll all shake out over the next couple of years as well. Uh, but I'm very bullish in general um, on the Cosmos ecosystem. I think the chains that are built on Cosmos and the thesis around app chains is very strong. Um, and so whether Cosmos will accrue all of that value, I know for a while Osmosis has made a play to be the de facto hub. And now people are looking at Celestia as possibly a hub for, for the Cosmos. So there's, there, that narrative still uh, you know, has a little bit of energy and needs to get sorted out behind it. Um, but I think having Adam, uh, at the very least, the staking rewards are fairly decent. And despite inflation, it's, it tends to hold its price uh, reasonably well. Now, um, yeah, so it's not the most sexy of any of these tokens, but I think it's my, how do I, uh, you know, reliably accrue value from the Cosmos ecosystem? I'm hoping that eventually it will come to uh, the Atom token itself. Uh, number eight on my list is Multiverse X. And it's one I've been in for a long time and I've been talking about for a decent while on X and various uh, channels. We recently had uh, Robert, who's one of the uh, lead developers on the Multiverse X team, come and join our show and talk, uh, talk all about uh, what they're doing and why Multiverse X is special. It's got just over two and a half percent of my portfolio. Uh, why? I think it has one of the strongest tech platforms out there. So if you're looking for, you know, Gen 3 moving into kind of Gen 4 type cryptos, uh, this one has state sharding. It's got sovereign shards. It's got a beautiful user experience built on top of it. Uh, very high TPS. It suffers a bit from not having that level of growth and VC investment. A lot of the growth has ha had to be organic. Um, and so I think that's the only risk is it's uh, primarily European focused. It's mainly organic growth. Uh, but also that means it's a little bit less uh, fragile. And so if VCs go away, it's not necessarily going to destroy the entirety of Multiverse X. And so I'm happy, you know, holding it. I do a bunch of DeFi's we'll see later in the Multiverse X ecosystem as well. And it seems like the, the builders who are in there, especially the, the core team, are some insanely smart people who um, are uh, building something that's that's special. Like it, it is truly special. This is something where you could see uh, corporations migrate into the blockchain to do interesting things that they couldn't do before. 
But one thing that Benjamin, who is the founder of Multiverse X, talks a lot about is this whole idea of a truth machine. As we move into the AI world, um, if Multiverse X can position itself as the blockchain that offers the truth machine, it will be, I think, a fantastic catalyst for what they're doing. So 2.5% my portfolio, Multiverse X. Don't like the name, do like the tech behind it. Um, Want to say uh, hi to Kelsey, who is here. Um, and Elias is asking about ICP. We'll have to wait until the end to see, do I mention ICP in my list or not? <laughs> a little bit of mystery there. Uh, number seven is Solana. Um, so a lot of people fade Solana, and Solana has its issues, right? It's been turned off, it seems like, uh, at least once a year, uh, and sometimes more often than that. Uh, there are folks in the Solana ecosystem who rub people the wrong way. I'm just not going to lie. That's what happens. Um, there is a decent amount of venture capital invested uh, in the Solana ecosystem, but by golly, it's fast. Like, If not the fastest, it's definitely one of the fastest. And the um, vision that they're pushing of a global state across the chain, so not relying on L2s or app chains or any other shenanigans to try and scale, they're basically saying the chain will scale, deal with it. Um, and it's almost the kind of web two Silicon Valley play of the blockchain. Now I know in the blockchain world, decentralization is important, um, community ownership is important, all of these things that Solana seems to eschew a little bit of those. Uh, however, it doesn't mean that the token itself won't have a bright future. It doesn't mean that interesting applications won't be built on top of Solana. Uh, Solana in particular, uh, you know, was left for dead after FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried and that whole debacle. And it's done a nice little 10x since then. And part of that, I think, is because builders have kept building. Um, NFTs tend to be a strong part of the Solana chain. They're one of the um, most used, I think, you know, for a period of time, they even eclipsed Ethereum on a number of different metrics of use and adoption. Now you could ask yourself, well, how much of that is real? There definitely have been signs in the past of Solana not having um, all of the TPS be natural and organic. Uh, there was one guy and his brother or, or cousin who apparently, uh, I guess, responsible for a good like 30% of all the, the transactions on Solana doing all sorts of various shenanigans. So, uh, I mean, with caution, I have this as part of my portfolio. I think it is something that's um, you know worth considering. Um, I do actually think that it has a decent chance to flip Ethereum. Um, now, this is a non-consensus view for sure. Uh, a lot of people would say Ethereum would be the one that would ultimately reign supreme, just because of a couple of reasons I'll talk about a bit later. Uh, but if anything, it's got the moxie. And I, I really appreciate the work that the team is doing, pushing into building the Solana phone. Uh, that's something that we need in the blockchain world, whether Solana does it or someone else does it, uh, we need a way to bring Web3 directly through the hardware to end users. Um, and I think if we're relying on Apple and Google to get out of the way and not take 30% on all the various different things, I think we'll be waiting a long time. And so we have to break the duopoly somehow. I'm just happy that Solana is trying. And so just for that alone, they get my support. Uh, we did have uh, you know, two fascinating conversations with uh, leaders in the Solana ecosystem on this channel. We talked to uh, Mert, who is quite a character. Um, uh, he's from Helios uh, Development. And so uh, he's very much uh, got some strong opinions. You may or may not like him. Um, and we also had a conversation with Austin, who's going to be uh, back in about a month or so on the show. He's the head of strategy for Solana Labs. And the level of thoughtfulness that he shared is something I truly appreciate. It, it's definitely of the mold of people who are deep in technology and understand what it takes to bring a tech platform to be successful. 
I also want to say hi to JH. Welcome. Welcome back to the show. Uh, simplify. Uh, momentum is important. Yeah, so much of this is momentum games. It's not necessarily winner-take-all, uh, but it's winner-take-most uh, in many, many uh, places. doesn't mean you have to be the first mover, but it means you have to be the best mover. Number six on my list is Cardano. So we had Liam calling out Cardano here. It's 3.5% of my portfolio. For a period of time, uh, Solana had actually eclipsed Cardano because the uh, difference in price performance meant that, um, uh, you know, at least in my portfolio, Solana was ahead. And this called con caused consternation amongst some of the Cardano community, thinking I was a trader and abandoning them. I still have a lot of my Cardano. Um, I think one of the reasons I look at this ecosystem favorably is that decentralization is at the core of just about everything that they do. And it's been very heartening to see the Nakamoto coefficient on Cardano grow from you know, low 20s to low 30s. Uh, that's, that's a strong indication that this chain is playing the crypto game the way it was meant to be played. And so I think uh, you, you can't fade the ethos of the people in Cardano. Uh, now, the number of dApps that are there is slowly growing. Uh, the experience on the chain is slowly getting better, but I'll be honest, it's nowhere close to Multiverse X or Solana or any of the Cosmos chains in terms of experience. So from an end user perspective, it's not there. But from an infrastructure perspective and the kinds of tools being built on it, uh, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for the, the kinds of things that are being built there. Now, I do have some concerns, as I list here, about the value accrual of the ADA token. Um, and most of the other chains, you'll, you'll look and... You know, some people say it's the amount of gas fees, the Ethereum folks typically will say it's the amount of gas fees that determine whether the chain is going to be sustainable. And if you're not actually earning fees, what's the point of a chain? You've got to sell the block space. So if you can't sell the block space um, for a reasonable price, there's no path to sustainability. And that's definitely a concern I have with Cardano. Um, Cardano has also, uh, you know, in the, the last at least year or so, underperformed a lot of the other large tokens, whether it's, you know, Ethereum or Bitcoin or Solana. And... That's a question in my mind as to, is that underperformance going to continue? Um, is that related to the value accrual of it? I look at the core uh, teams that we're building on Cardano in IOHG, and they're talking a lot about Midnight, which is, is not an L2 on Cardano. It's a side chain. And how tightly it's tied to the success or not of Cardano, who knows? Um, and I, I, I think Cardano is very much not done as a, a chain. I don't know if it will ever be done, but uh, it's it's definitely, from many aspects, further behind than a lot of the other chains. It doesn't have the user experience. It doesn't have the uh, transaction speed and scalability on it. Uh, and so I, I worry with the shift in focus from IOHK. And then there's Charles, who is, at the best of times, a divisive character. Uh, he has strong values. And at least one thing, he's been very consistent in those values, but he also pisses a lot of people off. And I'm sorry, but in this ecosystem, you can't be a little island all the way to yourself and expect to succeed. Uh, most of the other chains work very hard to build both physical and figurative bridges between the chains. And it's very difficult to find a place where you can actually take your ADA and use it anywhere. Um, and so I think that's a concern. Um, now, you know, in the past, the community a couple of years ago was all happy about that because we had really large blowups. Uh, Luna disappeared, collapsed. Um, but I think, uh, you know, going forward, you can't just be an island. Um, and, I, you know, I feel like that's what Cardano has been trying to do. And even when you, you bring up bridges, they don't seem to be uh, the most highly prioritized on the effort that's undergoing. 
Um, the real estate and the, the realist MC 85 saying they used to like Cardano, but the tech isn't that good. I mean, I think it's good in some aspects and not so good in others. I think using UTXOs has its own set of advantages, but it makes building things very difficult. I am heartened. We had a conversation uh, with Blink Labs a couple of weeks ago where they talked about building a different client, a Go client, which would make it easier than folks using Haskell. Um, and um, I, you know, I'm hoping that uh, the, that Go client will actually help uh, app adoption. Uh, we've got a question here from Adil who's asking about FTX reimbursements. Unfortunately, I don't know a whole lot about FTX uh, reimbursements. Um, while I was able to get into uh, many of these centralized exchange rugs like Voyager, I avoided FTX. <laughs> I didn't get uh, all, all of those rugs, uh, thankfully for myself. Sapphire Tony, hi. Uh, welcome. Great to have you on the show. Um, so now the current runner is number six, 3.5% uh, of my portfolio. Um, personally, I'm very much in a wait and see. It does feel like it could be one of those chains that doesn't innovate sufficiently and slides off into the distance. Um, or maybe there's something I'm not seeing and decentralization actually gets them that word in Ethiopia that they keep talking about but never delivering. Uh, number five is a brand new one for 2024 for me, which is MantaDAO. So you've heard me talk a lot about Kajira. Uh, Manta is effectively the uh, liquidity engine of Kajira. Uh, they've got some of the smartest builders and capital allocators I've met anywhere in crypto. So I hang out on the Telegram from Antidale, and every other day I'm learning a new thing and or a new approach that I wasn't aware of. And i got to say, often when you're hanging out in the Telegram, uh, what you get is just a bunch of people talking about number go up and asking the devs when and complaining about something that doesn't work. Uh, Mantidao is quite special in that there's strategizing and there's thinking very carefully about market movements and how to use some of the DeFi tools for the best advantage to grow liquidity. Um, and then I feel like the overall approach of Mantidao itself is solid, uh, but also the product itself. So Mantidao has a couple of products. Uh, you know, one of them is building liquidity. So the DAO actually owns a bunch of Bitcoin and Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. So it acts almost like an index fund for a lot of the cryptos. Um, and can accrue some of the uh, trading fees that are uh, applicable to some of those as well. Uh, and so the, the DAO itself has uh, every month been very diligent in sharing out a trading report. It very much feels like if you were um, in the business of doing market making, MantaDAO is the decentralized market maker. And by owning the token, you'd have an opportunity to participate in some of that. Uh, so it's got some real value accrual that's in there. They also build tools like uh, swap engines that do uh, best best hop routing for some of the swaps. Uh, and the tool set's constantly growing. Uh, and so that's why I have it in my portfolio. The reason it's so high is um, they did a 10x uh, recently, more than a 10x. Uh, and so it's, it's easy to have large chunks of your portfolio taken up uh, when we, when you get a couple 10Xs, right? It, it sort of skews things um, in, in a good way. I'm not complaining about that for sure. Uh, welcome, Sakharin. Uh, you just missed our talk about Cardano. So uh, you can go back and uh, have a listen to that uh, maybe on the replay as well. So number five is Mantadal, 3.8% of my portfolio. Uh, moving on to number four is Polygon. And so I do you know, think very highly of the, the team and what they've been able to do. But honestly, it's it's not where I would like it to be. I'd like it to be a lot smaller part of my, my portfolio. This is one of my big early winners um, where I put size in and size came out, which is very nice. Uh, they've got a fantastic development team um, and fat pivots, fast pivots to, uh, for example, ZK EVM. Um, and I, I think 
Polygon has an equal chance to win uh, alongside, you know, Arbitrum and Optimism and some of these other L2s, uh, just because of how quickly the team can move. Uh, personally, I've been slowly exiting the, my Matic for about a year now, and I'll continue to do this until I get closer to my target. I don't think I'll ever uh, completely sell all my Matic. Um, I really like what they're doing with the move to the, the Pol token and adding more value accrual into it. And it just, it feels like one of these bets on the Ethereum ecosystem that doesn't necessarily depend on Ethereum being the one that gathers all the value, but can depend on tools that, that people actually use. Now, I know in the Polygon ecosystem, a lot of the volume isn't pristine volume. Like there's some bots and some sh shenanigans going on there. Um, and I think that's what it is. So I I'm going to be slowly uh, lowering my allocation to Polygon. But I think if you fade Polygon, um, you know, I, I think you may uh, regret fading Polygon completely. And so I, I would hope to keep some allocation to it. Uh, number three on the list is Ethereum. Okay, so, you know, everyone has to talk about Ethereum and Bitcoin. Uh, those are the big two in the crypto world. It takes up more than 10% of my portfolio. It is solid, stalwart. Uh, as you look at where it is from its all-time highs, it's much closer than a lot of other tokens. So it's shown the ability to <clears throat> come through an entire bear market and still be resilient. Uh, there's still lots happening on Ethereum. It has a fairly large economic moat, right? So it's got capital in the ecosystem. It's also got a lot of developers. Uh, and so those are two moats that I think are interesting and important for for, for the long term. I, I liken this a lot to Microsoft and Windows, where they had all the developers, they had a, a lot of the capital kind of flowing towards Windows. Even though you could argue it wasn't the best system, it still, for a very long period of time, was a cash cow for Microsoft. And it took strong disruption in the market that took, you know, more than a decade before mobile started to disrupt that, before they became less relevant um, in, oh, in that case. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Soda Popensky. Uh, welcome to the show as well. Uh, we've got King18 Louis talking about some tokens. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't tend to follow who uh, Vitalik calls his cat and do tokens off of that. But I do think that decentralization matters. And I think Ethereum, for all its faults, is reasonably decentralized. Um, I think it's going to change uh, when the ETF comes. Uh, the ETF coming will likely be a strong price event. As we've seen with Bitcoin, it will create a lot of demand. Uh, with Ethereum, though, I worry that it, it's really going to cause concern from an ownership and centralization perspective. Uh, pretty soon, BlackRock will have a controlling stake and be able to effectively push anything through governance that they wanted to. Um, I know Ethereum has a social consensus layer on top of it, uh, but at the end of the day, it's a proof of stake chain, and the one with the largest stake wins. I don't actually strongly believe in the L2 thesis, which is why you don't see a lot of uh, Arbitrum and Optimism and those type of tokens in my top 10, uh, but maybe it will win. Maybe it will succeed over global state or sharding or app chains. And so that's why I still have Ethereum, um, simple fly saying ETH to 15K. I, I don't know about that, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that would be lovely. I'd, I'd very much appreciate that for my, for my portfolio. Um, and... Yeah, so my, my target is actually a little bit higher than where I'm at right now, but I would like to get to that target with Ethereum making gains uh, rather than continuing to buy into ETH. I think ETH right now is reasonably expensive. At the time to do it was when it was at $800 a couple months back. Um, I missed it. I, I only bought a little bit of ETH at the bottom. Can't, you can't win them all. Uh, number two on my list, you hear me bang on about it all the time, is Kujira. 
Kajira is 24% of my portfolio. It's one of my highest conviction large winners that I've had in my entire kind of crypto investing career. Uh, but the conviction didn't come from some magic price movement. It came from the integrity of a team who's building real products. Uh, and so I've got tons of videos on the show about Kajira. And the reason is because they have products that I can make videos about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I feel like uh, the, the team, if they are successful, and there's always a doubt, you know, they're a fairly small team. They've got a fairly small ecosystem compared to Ethereum and many of the other, you know, larger players. But if they can be successful, oh, my goodness. So that's one of the reasons that uh, this is a long-term hold for me. Uh, you know, I'll probably start taking profits if my entire portfolio gets overweight into Kajira. <laughs> uh, it's also the only place that I've jumped in and I'm actually building something. So I do have a validator on Kajira. If you're Kajira in the ecosystem, uh, please, uh, you know, send some some Kuji delegated to Technology Poet. We'd really appreciate that. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm losing my voice like halfway through the video. <laughs> we still got to get to number one. Uh, Ancoin saying no stablecoin. I have enough stablecoin in my bank account. <laughs> I don't need another stablecoin sitting on chain doing nothing. I do have stables on chain. I didn't actually, to be all honest, count them up for this list because I figured that would not be as interesting as, as all the other ones. So that's why there's no stablecoin. Uh, Kujira, I think, is just fantastic. Uh, you know, there's a couple things that would make me concerned. Uh, if there was some security issues, if the, the team started to take different directions than what they're taking right now, and displayed kind of a lack of integrity uh, in, in some of the things. But so far, I've been very impressed with everything they've been doing. I even did a video, 10 Things Wrong with Kajira. So I'm, I'm not just a complete maxi. So you can see my objective analysis if you go back through my channel on some of those things. Um, but yeah, 24% of my portfolio, a decent amount of my portfolio, and I feel comfortable holding it, uh, unlike some of these others. So let's go back to, to Polygon. Uh, I'm a little nervous about having so much in Polygon because I feel like the valuation of the chain to the kind of total market cap that it's got, like the, the opportunity for gains to the risk for loss is a little bit off balance. Uh, whereas Kajira is under 500 million market cap. So a 10X is in the cards if they do really, really well. Excuse me. <laughs> The Realist MC is asking about Monero. Maybe we'll get to Monero. Let's see. Uh, also saying that they looked into Kuji and like it very much. Uh, doesn't understand how it doesn't get any attention. I think that's back to the how much VC money is sloshing around in the system. And I think um, for better or worse, Kujira only has a little bit of VC money um, compared to many of these other chains. Okay, let's get to number one. <laughs> so we can at least cover that. Uh, number one is Bitcoin. Of course it's Bitcoin. How could you not have a huge allocation to Bitcoin in your portfolio? It's just over 30% of my portfolio. My target allocation is 35%. So I'd like a little bit more. Um, I think the price performance has been fantastic recently. And I've been very impressed at how even it's, it's outperformed Ethereum and a lot of the other smaller market caps. <laughs> um, excuse me. Uh, so, I, you know, I feel like I take profits into Bitcoin like many people. I, I would like Bitcoin to be something that's part of my estate planning. I'd like it to be, um, you know, to hold it in different places. So we'll talk about custody in a second. And to really use, whether you believe Bitcoin's going to be ever peer-to-peer uh, -peer cash 
and to be a medium of exchange that people use, it's definitely a store of value. And it's shown that it's a store of value. So I feel pretty comfortable having a large portion of my portfolio that's in Bitcoin. <laughs> We've got a few folks saying, oh, what about this? What about that? So let me address some of the questions here. Uh, long on ThorChain, Myo ecosystem. Uh, yeah, so I do have some cacao. Uh, Ruin is one of those that I do not have, uh, but I do very much regret not having it. <laughs> and I, you can only have so many tokens, basically, and uh, that's not one of them, unfortunately. Uh, I'll admit, thank you, Stan, for the, the compliment. I, I hardly have any ICP, and I hardly have any HBAR. And, you know, partly HBAR, I don't like the, the corporate nature as much of it. And ICP, I just... It's never been a, a chain that I've gotten deep into until recently, some of the conversations. And yeah, I can only invest in so many different things. Sorry, folks, I hope I don't have to cut this short. <laughs> Let's keep going. Uh, here's my crypto portfolio that you can see. A uh, lot in Bitcoin, Kajira. You can see some of the other ones here, Chainlink. But you know, in general, I have a lot of different tokens in my portfolio. and. Uh, you know, I do have some near to Mr. Brown's uh, thought here. And part of my thesis is I don't know what's going to win. I place my bets. I place big bets in some aspects. But I also don't fade everything. There's, there's a lot of coins out there that can do very, very well. And I'd like to have a little bit of exposure. One, to get exposure to the price. Uh, but two, to actually uh, be able to learn about the ecosystems. And I find often... You know, if I buy a few hundred dollars of a token, it encourages me to learn more than I would otherwise be encouraged to learn. It's weird. Uh, you know, your bags really direct your attention. And, I, you know, I think it's it's okay because I'm here to learn. And so if I lost a few hundred dollars from learning, I, I think that's fine. Okay, so what's changed since May 2023? Uh, Kujira is a huge part of my portfolio, uh, whereas before it was a lot smaller. Uh, Manta was nothing, and now it's a large part of my portfolio. Those two mainly down to price and my conviction in investing in it. Solana uh, has increased also primarily just to the price. I'm, I'm a hodler, so I hodled my Solana through the bear and was rewarded for it. I think my average price is around $30 or something, so I've done a decent amount of performance on it. Um, Polygon is down because I'm slowly exiting it. Cardano, my share is down largely because of the price. ADA has not kept up with the price of many of the other cryptos. Um, as you've exited the bear market, you've seen Ethereum do three, four, five X. You've seen uh, Bitcoin do a three X. Uh, Cardano has done a two and a half X and from, from its bottom. And I feel like that's one of the reasons it's lagged. Same as Cosmos. Cosmos has not kept up. Um, <laughs> so uh, these are the big changes that, that have happened since 2023. Uh, where do I DeFi? So I, I'm trying to reduce the number of places that I DeFi. A lot of it is in Cardano and Kajira, a little bit less in Arbitrum. I'll be honest, all of my Arbitrum DeFi happens on the uh, Camelot chain, and I'm providing liquidity for Kajira. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of an overlap with uh, my Kajira world is to have that particular aspect there. And then a little bit left in Multiverse X. Uh, I do, I'm pretty happy with this. I don't think I need to spend a lot in Ethereum, particularly because of all the challenges Ethereum's had around security. I'd like to kind of back away a little bit from that. 
Uh, Multiverse X has shown a good security record. So has Cardano. Both of them have shown that. Um, <laughs> uh, Obi's asking Bitcoin or Monero. So Bitcoin is my number one. Uh, Monero we'll talk about in a second. So where do I put my crypto? Uh, I've learned um, the hard way not to have large allocations in custody. However, custody is the best way to do for estate planning. It's the easiest. I've had conversations with my husband about, uh, okay, if something happens to me, here's how to get the crypto. His eyes glaze over. <laughs> and I'm pretty confident that all of my uh, self-custody self crypto uh, is going to be a donation to the ecosystem rather than to my husband. So that's why I, I have some in custody. I have most of it in my cold wallets. I have multiple hardware wallets. I have multiple hot wallets. I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose some crypto just because I forget where it is. But also I don't want a single point of failure. And I think uh, often that's something people get wrong is they put everything into one place. People have put everything into Voyager or put everything into the ledger that they somehow deposited their seed phrase somewhere and lost it all. I'm trying to be resilient against losing it all. At the end of the day, uh, one of the uh, metrics is, do you still survive? <laughs> if you can't survive, then um, you're, you're gone. Um, Mr. Brown's asking, is Multiverse X similar to ICP? I know they're actually very different. Multiverse X is uh, more similar to, to NIR or to some of those other sharded blockchains. ICP runs both front-end and back-end. It's got kind of a canister approach. So it's, ICP is more like AWS uh, in the cloud. <laughs> Thanks, Obi. I appreciate it. Uh, and you're in Texas as well. So um, <laughs> uh, thank you. I've given him all the passwords and everything, and I've told him, call my brother. But maybe I'll tell him he can call Obi as well and, and get some help there. <clears throat> so what am I going to do going forward? Uh, I'm going to stack sats, primarily focused in the ETF. And the reason for the ETF is the estate planning, uh, because uh, I have sufficient soft custody right now that I want to make sure that my husband's taken care of if anything happens to me. I'm going to dramatically reduce the number of coins I own. So Algorand and Tezos and Polkadot near Luna Classic, which I still have, <laughs> some of it, uh, Engine, they're all on the chopping block. I want to get rid of them. I want to get down to a portfolio where it's not top 10, but the 10. And I would like to, to kind of be in that place over the next 18 months or so. So I'm going to take profits, not just in these coins, but hopefully in many of the coins and start to move them into stables, move them into Bitcoin, uh, not can speckle. I do have some injective. Uh, it's just didn't make my top 10 list. So I've got a, a lot of coins, um, but a little bit of injective. Um, <laughs> yeah. So dumping down to four to five, I would struggle to come to four to five uh, coins. So, I mean, just between Bitcoin, Ethereum, Kajira, some of the Kajira alts, I'm already at five. And I think, you know, I probably will have a couple more. So, yeah, if I can get down to 10, I would be very, very happy. I also want to reduce the number of ecosystems that I'm in from a DeFi perspective. Tax time is a nightmare. Like, taxes are coming up. I've been putting it off. I'm going to have to go and, like, figure out my taxes now. And it's just a lot to keep track of. It's just more than I need to worry about right now. So, um yeah, I like this, this idea, Mr. Brown, to, to try the best projects in their own category. Um, having exposure across categories, I think, is interesting. I still think that spreads me too thin. And, you know, whether it's AI or gaming or whatever the thing is, I feel like those require so much attention uh, that it's, it's literally a focus in investing in itself. 
I'd ultimately like to turn this into more of a passive investment than an active investment. So I'm very curious now. I'm diving into all the things. Uh, a year from now, I'd love to not be diving into all the things every week. I'd love to be able to sit back, uh, you know, go and do some life stuff instead of spending all my time on the blockchain. Um, so I think I think that while that might be a good strategy, uh, that's, you know, I don't think I would scale long term to be able to keep up with that. I have not looked at Noah, Kelsey. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, 2020 to 2022, there was so much tax pain. Oh, my goodness. Um, even if you don't get your 10x from Bitcoin, uh, you get 10x less pain from all the taxes that happen. So I'm just hoping to make it through the next couple of years and then, uh, you know, calm down a little bit. Stan's asking, how much of achieving the white paper's objective leans into your selection? Um, so not a ton. And the reason not a ton is because if you're trying to build an actual business, you pivot and adjust very quickly. And so, for example, the Kajira roadmap has stuff on it that's probably never going to get done. And that's okay because they've built other stuff that was never on the roadmap. Um, I think, I mean, I think if I look at Cardano as an example of this, uh, I would feel happier with them not meeting all of their roadmap items if they'd done something else. But they keep talking about scaling as if it's happened and it hasn't happened. And Voltaire coming, which is their decentralized governance, but it's not actually like a thing that's, <laughs> it's taking years and years and that's the only thing they're doing. So it's not like they've done three other things. Uh, and so in that respect, I, I look at the velocity of development rather than does it hew to the white paper. So Polygon's a great example of this. Like their velocity of development is extremely high. And uh, you know, I'm sure that they'll continue to change the trajectory that they're going on based on you know, pivoting to narratives and helping to, to get new features out there that you know, ZKEVM, for example, they made huge acquisitions in that space. Um, that's my thought. I, I value listening to the ecosystem, listening to users, starting to build things that users want a lot more than you wrote a white paper three years ago. Have you completed it? Um, Musty B is asking, what should I buy now? I don't answer those questions. That's a question for you. Uh, so you need to understand your risk tolerance, understand your goals. And once you have those two in mind, then you can look at the landscape and look at the kinds of coins that might give you, or, you know, maybe it's not even a coin. Maybe it's a stock or a money market account. Um, yeah, Chase, I can't uh, talk a bit about price targets because uh, honestly, I think every price target is just people picking numbers out of the air. Uh, the only one that I feel like people can have any reasonable expectation of is Bitcoin because it's got... Uh, models that are fairly simple from its price perspective, but also large demand in the traditional finance industry. <laughs> I've been wrecked on NFTs. Uh, I have a number of NFTs, um, but thankfully on the Multiverse X ecosystem, so I, I wasn't wrecked for too large an amount. Um, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> um, I think the NFT technology is valuable. NFTs is a JPEG, probably a lot less so. <clears throat> So what about Monero? I might have Monero. I might not. You don't know. I don't know. The government doesn't know. So be quiet. Monero is fantastic as a way of advancing freedom. And I talk a lot about it because I value privacy and I value freedom. And I value privacy. That's all I have to say on Monero. <laughs> um, South Padre Tony, Tony knows. 
he knows that uh, Monero is about more than the price. It's not just a gambling coin. It's a store of freedom. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. And I've been wrong, and I'm happy to be wrong. I'm also happy to be right. right? I, I, I feel like so many folks think that they have this crystal ball, and then they'll post a thing, and they'll delete it because they got the thing wrong. I'm like, no, well, how do you learn? Everyone's going to get things wrong. This is not the list of something that I think is absolutely going to be successful. This is where I'm at right now. Now, maybe there's something else that comes along that that's going to be even more successful or that I've missed out on. I'm okay missing things. I've missed so many hundred Xs you can't believe. That's okay. <laughs> and you should feel okay uh, as well. Uh, yes, Monero did, uh, did, Monero did not get cracked. Uh, Monero got delisted from Binance. So I've got a bunch of videos on Monero's delisting on Binance here on the, the channel if you want to look at those. Monero has not been cracked. No one has gone to jail because they used Monero. Um, the government still has grants out for people who are able to crack Monero. If you can point me to an article where Monero was cracked because of Monero. So a lot of times people say, oh no, I used Monero and I, they found me. It's because you deposited that Monero into an exchange that you were KYC to. Had nothing to do with Monero. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you, if you give the government your ID, they're going to know about you, whether or not you use Monero. First rule about XMR is you talk about it, but you don't share. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John Reed. John Reed, appreciate it. Uh, I know we've got a, a lot of uh, ICP fans here. Um, I'm, the, the technology is interesting. I've done a number of uh, episodes on this channel about ICP. So, you know, I do feel like there's something there. I just, it just doesn't feel like it's something that I'm personally going to invest large amounts in right now. <laughs> My target for Monero is that it will continue to exist and advance freedom. And I can almost guarantee that. That's the one target I'm most secure in my estimate of through this entire video. So what else did I miss? I know we've had a few folks in chat like sharing some of the, the coins, some of their favorite coins, uh, but what do you feel you've got a very high conviction in that I didn't mention today that you think not only is something like a gamble that you could take, that you could win on, but it's absolutely essential in your portfolio? What have I missed? Let me know. Let me know in the comments below. Let me know in chat. Um, I know a lot of people kind of like to marry their bags, but if you step back objectively, what, are, what is something that really needs a stronger looking at? Uh, Shade Protocol, John Red. Um, I think Shade Protocol is extremely interesting from a technology perspective. Uh, we actually have a couple of videos with Carter, who's one of the lead researchers on Shade Protocol on this channel. The idea that we've got uh, private DeFi, I think is interesting. I'm just not certain that the level that will take off in, in total. Like a lot of these places are looking to gather adoption and usage and DeFi really needs that usage uh, in order to uh, get, in order to kind of break out and add that value accrual to the token itself. Um, I don't actually know what IMX is, <laughs> so I'm not sure about that. Um, Deepin is definitely uh, a space to, to lean into. Uh, I've been very impressed with, uh, Tools like Akash, we had Greg on the show uh, just, just last week. Uh, I think, you know, Helium and HiveMapper and some of the other Deepin plays, uh, whether or not the value accrues to the token, uh, these are things I really love to see being used in the crypto world because it's real. It's not just DGENs gambling on stuff. It's actual real things. Um, yeah, so we've had a couple of conversations. Uh, Shade, I don't, that's not the ticket for, ticket for trade protocols. I think that's something different. So then I guess my answer to you, uh, not in speckle, is no, I haven't looked at that. 
Um, yeah, so Estio definitely has the module blockchain thesis behind it. Um, not sure what's built on it yet. It still feels like it's a technology in search of a, a problem to solve. So uh, once it has more built on it, um, I, I think we can definitely look at it. Uh, but that's all I've got for today. Sorry, my voice is kind of fading me. Otherwise, I go for a few more minutes. Um, thank you, everyone, for following along. Really appreciate you. Please drop a like, uh, subscribe if you haven't yet. Um, we bring lots of different guests onto the show. So the majority of the show is interviewing people in the crypto world, founders and builders. And every now and again, I'll talk about my own perspective on certain things, provide education. Uh, thank you, everyone, for following. Thank you, South Padre Tony. Uh, really appreciate you all. And I'll see you again tomorrow. Cheers.